now for something special. The unit is self-contained with its own saddler, farrier, wheelwright and so on. It's a rigorous training dished on who know all there is to know about horses and it brings results. We take you behind the scenes now to show just some of the interesting aspects of this training. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the number one podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman fairy with an APF1 accreditation. On this week's show, talking terminology, we're going to talk about the roach back, also muscling of the back of horses, and also case study of a horse named Claire and how Mike decided to put shoes on her. All this and much, much more we discuss here on Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. And over to my far right side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good. Travis, how are you doing? Good. You feel like you're uh, being in terror? or something over there yes, with all, I the, do. Oh. all the bright light <laughs> you look good mike you always look good over there you always look good over there okay I, so what's new with you mike what happened this week well people have headed north if you're following three day of inning they had the land rover which used to be the rolex in kentucky this weekend you didn't go not this year i was there last year i have been informed there's a couple of horses i work on that may be there next year and okay. to be there if they do and so last friday I ended up working in the vet clinic over at granite farms and so it changed directions for the summer are you excited about the summer you're excited about the, the warmer weather coming in or I'm excited it's we're actually running a cool and kind of wet so if they ever get the temperature right we should be able to get a good hay production if we can get it out of the field are you worried about the horses drinking or not drinking or anything this time of year like drinking enough water not as much as when we get cold cold for okay. us of course you know if you're looking at a lot of the other country our cold is still warm so here on the property when we first bought the house we just bought the house and the land there was nothing on the exterior of the property there was no pastures there was no barn there was no there was nothing but woods when we first moved in about 12 years ago it was my job to clear everything out right figure out where things are going to go in the process of when you buy a house you know you dump basically all your savings in there all your money in there to, to buy the house and buy the you know to upgrade your furniture and whatever you do when you buy a new house you you've exhausted a lot of your funds so you take some time to recoup some of your funds and everything back one thing that we needed to do was the acre when you first come up on the property the two acres that are out there i needed to fence it in because we had a horse coming here right from florida which is dominique in about 30 days after we moved in so we took the i don't want to say the least expensive way but we tried to we knew that we wanted a post on the ground we knew that we wanted at least a three rail fence Mm-hmm. I decided to do 10-foot lengths. Right. 10-foot lengths instead of the 6- or 8-foot lengths with the little boards in between. That was a, the least expensive way to do that. So we spent about 4200 bucks, got all that wood and got all that stuff, and we put it in the ground. Uh, every other post had a concrete bag, but here, coming from Florida, myself as well, we didn't realize how rocky the ground was here in North Carolina. Right. Yet in Florida, you could dig you know, 4 feet down or 2 feet down, and you hit water. Here, it's nothing but rock and limestone and all this other core and everything so we had to get an auger so the auger that we got was a small auger handheld auger (laughs) we're sitting here trying to like chipping stones going trying to get through the rocks and stuff so needless to say the post for the last 12 years they've all started to lean Uh, they are not in the ground very well the weight of the horses leaning on the fence has pushed them all out so that it looks like a like the infield track of the daytona 500 speedway you know how that fence kind of tapers out a little bit over the car so the cars don't go into the audience right (laughs) that's what we got going on with our fence so i don't know if you notice this mike my trailer out there is all full of lumber i did notice that go ahead you've been taking some lumber down i've been taking the fence down and we're going to move the now that we have a tractor we 
have a nice size Kubota tractor with a big old 12 inch, 18 inch auger on the back of it. I'm going to put these poles on the ground correctly. <laughs> You're going to sock them down. I'm going to sock them down. I'm going to put them in there correctly. I'm going to cement them all in. And then we're going to cut the 10 foot sections down to 8 foot sections because now they're not as, you know, they've settled in. They've got their warps and everything out of it. Right. And then I got to do that all the way around the two acres. So as you can see, uh, what I did out there was what I did on Saturday. Uh, I think I got maybe 12 sections down. I haven't moved the post yet. So that's what I'm doing here on the property. Yeah, sometimes sometimes around here in certain spots, you can, well, either peck at it with a digging bar or hammer, big hammer drill. Like I said, I'm the simpleton. I don't ride the horses. I fix all the stuff that the horses do here on the property. And right now we're getting into spring, and I go, this is a great time. I got the kitchen done. I redid the cabinets, the lower cabinets. I haven't redone the top cabinets. My wife says, what we need to get this fence fixed before Diego, Diego left again. Right. He's at camp again. Boot boot camp. Like, boot camp, yeah, yeah, double boot camp. He's going to wear boots now. He might wear boots. I'm not sure. But now I've got that front two acres open. So now's the time to do it. So that's right. what I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm out there doing that. So if I come in with like <laughs> bruises and cuts on my fingers, it's because. We'll think maybe you start shooting horses. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, would you, would you team up with Mike and start shooting horses? No, I didn't. So that's what we're doing here on the property to improve our property. So it's a little bit more aesthetically pleasing to the eye. I know the horses don't care, but still. They don't care they just want to eat all right guys stick around we got a lot to talk about and when we come back we'll talk terminology and we're going to talk about what is a roachback stick around you're listening to equine dynamics with mike stein he'll be right back Dynamics with Mike Stein. He was the official farrier of the 2018 World Equestrian Games. And if you'd like to see us here in the studio for every podcast we do, we have a matching video. Uh, we have a lot of visuals to talk about. We have a lot of stuff that we have on our computer monitors here, and you can see it in real time as we're talking about it here on the air. And that case study we have coming up here shortly about Claire and how Mike and why Mike decided to shoe this horse. You can see those pictures up on the YouTube channel as we're talking about them here shortly. So make sure you go over there, like, and subscribe. And over to my far hand side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good, Travis. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. So now we're going to talk terminology. We're going to talk about Roachback, or what Mike says, the palmetto back in South Carolina. That's right. <laughs> when observing the back conformation of a horse, the roachback, or palmetto back, is rounded upward and can make it hard for the horse to use its back to lift and lighten its forehand. So, Mike, tell us about roachback and, and everything we need to know and what to look for. In front of the loins, the back spine will be kind of humped up, bowed up. You know, a lot of the times this horse will be a little sore in the back. They're mechanically probably not going to come through in the back end like they should. If you're just looking at the shoulders and the front end, they're probably going to be a little straight in the shoulders and leaning on the front end. It can easily affect performance. It's something that I am paying attention to when I'm trying to make some decisions on what to do with a horse. Now, is this a rider issue or is it a foot issue? Yes. Okay. Well, so let's start with the rider. How does the rider influence a roach back? Anytime that you have a rider that is... Most of the time, what you're going to see is a, a dropped out back, you know, as far as like a sway back. You know, if the rider is too heavy handed, if a horse is pushed too hard, too young, 
Can we create some problems in the back? Yes, we can. Now, when you so, say pushing the horse way too young, I think last episode we were talking about making sure we were watching the horse's feet as right. they're a baby and, you know, to make sure that we're doing this and, and wait to see how the legs develop out. When you say working the horse too early or too much young, what what's that comfortable balance in between? Or is there? Horses will go a long way for us if we don't handle them in bad ways. Right. And they can. I'm not going to say never work a horse. It's just building into it. But I've seen too many times where somebody is out there and we want to start jumping, so we train the back by jumping. As time goes, there's less emphasis on going out and doing just road work, putting miles on, getting a horse fit. We get the horse fit by drilling what we're doing in competition. And I think we're creating more injuries that way than we used to ever see. So how does the feet affect or cause uh, roachback? When you're looking at your palmer angle, if you've collapsed your palmer angle in the back end and or front end and the body can't move, well, that will affect what the back does. If you've got a roached back and it is created by, oh, we've gotten sore, we're trying to avoid something, we're bowing our, our back up to get away from it, we're stiffening it up in our loins, and the pelvis doesn't move through, and in, in turn, that will affect what happens with feet because if we stiffen that up, we're driving the hind end out from out from under it and straightening out the hind legs. Well, that's going to affect the palmer angle and end up collapsing over time. Now, out of all the horses or styles or, or ridings of horses, which one do you see the roach back happen the most? Is it dressage? Like I, I always bring up dressage because that's what my wife rides. Right. Is it the hunter jumpers? Is it you know what style of riding do you see most commonly with roach back? Well, right now in my career, I'm doing. As far as back problems, I'm probably seeing more with dressage horses, but my business is a lot heavier in that direction at this point. That and three-day event horses. I hate to say that, but kids have to start somewhere. Kids hunter horses. You see more, a little bit more of this. I don't really work on reining horses and that sort of thing at this point and never spend a huge amount of time around them. I've got friends that do, but I think that you do see some roach back on that type of a horse, almost some of our horses. You know, you, you see it with all breeds at two different degrees. Like with the eventers that I do, most of them are are more experienced. A lot of them have ridden upper level or are riding upper level, and they've done it long enough. They know how to start prepping horses and bringing them up through the ranks over getting, okay, I can do this now and getting excited about doing the event and concentrating on over jumping, over drilling, over that sort of deal. How long would a roachback take to form? I mean, is this something that happens not overnight, I'm assuming, but I mean, at one point, should you be looking for, hey, my horse is starting to there, do this? There are horses that have not been ridden that end up with roachbacks because of mm, confirmation issues, because of movement issues because of whatever there are horses that is developmental the ones that are developmental that's where how we're riding a horse how we're training a horse what we're doing as far as farriers has a direct effect with horses that are starting inexperienced riders you probably have a lot more of that for people to get into riding there are some horses that are going to have to deal with inexperienced riders and that's just the way it is to or we don't have any riders left so you were saying that you're you and your wife are thinking about or was leasing a horse was leasing a horse right, she so, was. so here's my only concern with that when someone leases a horse not necessarily you guys just when someone leases a horse how long do they normally lease a horse is it a one-year thing is it a 12-week thing is it a you know how long is a normal contract to, to lease a horse? And the reason why I ask is, if you've got this horse and you've got an experienced rider on it, right. and, and that, for whatever reason, the horse is not matching the experienced rider's 
qualifications. So this person, the experienced rider, needs a upgraded horse. So they, I've done everything I can on this lease horse. I'm going to go to another level. So now this horse that's been riding with this experienced rider now has this inexperienced rider on top. Changing riders that often, and, and does that? How does that affect the horse as far as trying to where where I kind of ran into problems back was trying to figure out some of these horses that are doing riding lessons. If I've got one rider primarily, or maybe two riders that are primarily working a horse, I'm going to have to deal with the way they ride. You know, if you're sitting off to one side, they're going to be more consistent sitting off to one side. Is that going to affect a movement in a particular way? Yes. Uh, Most riders are going to be right-handed, so you're going to have problems that are related to a right-handed versus a left-handed rider. When you've got novice riders that are learning how to shoe horse or learning how to ride horses and they're bounced around they're shifting this way shifting that way their balance isn't that good um and it's always changing that's kind of another deal and it's kind of for me that was a little tough to work around because you couldn't decide whether they want to shove the horse left or shove the horse right when they were riding the horse and how do you do you get ahead of that problem so that's a tough deal there are horses out there that teach kids to ride have taught people to ride for years and can come through it reasonably okay there's also it's hard to keep them off the forehand it's hard to keep the hind end under them and it's hard to keep their back out of a bind so you know that's that is a challenge for these horses that uh, are teaching people how to ride do you see a lot of roach back in teaching horses the horses that teach i think that's where you where to me was more of a problem to figure out how to deal with and part of the problem is the riding skills were not at the level of what i'm dealing with now Mm -hmm. and also depending on who was up there it was kind of always changing it's the same thing you're always trying to get a horse to lift and carry itself and then tack rider whatever it may be is always trying to shove it back down all right guys stick around when we come back we're going to get into the muscling of the back of a horse so stick around you're listening to equine dynamics with mike stein he'll be right back Are you ready to learn to work from the comfort of your own home with a new skill? Well, now's your chance. Hey, this is Travis from Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Educate yourself and save correctly. Travel with your own service without any stress. Check out youwelcomehere.com for more information. That's the letter U, welcomehere.com. This website is dedicated to providing the highest quality products and services to their customers. They are excited to offer their users the latest and greatest products and services available in the market. Youwelcomehere.com offers a variety of resources to help you stay inspired. Whether you're looking for something more meaningful in life or to solve your problems or find the right solution for the information that you have, go to youwelcomehere.com that's the letter u welcomehere.com Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He was the 2017 American Eventing Championship Farrier. And don't forget, if you'd like to ask Mike Stein a question at any time, go to equinedynamics.com. At the top of the page says contacts. Make sure you ask your question and fill out the little form there. Put a return address. Uh, If we answer your question here on the air, we'll send you out some free 
swag. Uh, Mike's got some uh, stickers, some magnets and stuff. And don't forget, any of you locals out here that live in the North Carolina area, Charlotte area, uh, we are doing a live appearance at J&L Elite on May 13th. That's May 13th, right. which is a Saturday at J&L Elite. Uh, so come out and see us, and all the information will be available over on Mike Stein's Facebook page. So make sure you go over there and like Equine Dynamics Mike Stein on Facebook as well. And over to my far inside is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm going to get you a shot collar is what I'm going to do. <laughs> keep, cool. you in, keep you in line. All right. It won't work. I know. It probably won't. You just get used to it. So now we're going to talk about the muscling. Turn up the power. Oh, full blast. I'll put it on bear setting. Okay, cool. So now we're going to talk about muscling of the back. So Mike, when we say muscling of the back, it, are we still referring to the roach back? Or are we talking a totally different aspect of the horse? Well, this does play into, well, any horse, roach back to horse or whatever. We uh, just brought up the roach back today because uh, there's a particular case kind of builds around that a bit that I worked on. Okay. Any horse, even muscling, we need the back to be supple. If the back is not muscled, it can't lift. If it's not lifting, there won't be muscle. For the horse to come through at the back end, the back must lift. For them to get off the shoulders and the shoulders move freely, the back must lift. It's just... Now, a while back, uh, I think it was in season four, you were talking about that you saw, like, the wild Mustangs out there on the on the High Banks area. Is it the right. High Banks area? The uh, outer, I'm sorry, the Outer Banks. Outer Banks. And all these wild horses were running around out there, and you said that some of them had that, that droopy, without having a rider on them because they're wild. Right. Now, should we worry about muscling back on them, or are we only talking about horses that are being ridden? Well, I'm talking about horses that are being ridden. Okay. Now, if you go to Mustangs in other part of the country where they're covering a lot of ground and there are a lot of rough terrain, you'll see some really strong backs on them because of where they live. You know, some of these Outer Banks horses, because of the soft ground, you got a lot of a lot of flared out feet and that sort of deal because the ground is soft and it's not as abusive to the foot. So you end up with flares and and that sort of deal where a horse in hard country will wear a lot of the, the foot off. The flares will blow off of there. And you'll have a much tighter foot. Now, when you talk about the Outer Banks having that soft sand. Or, sand, yes. And you said that bad for the foot because there's nowhere to kind of be an abrasion or like a pumice to, to rub everything down. I would think that the muscle tone definition in those horses. Mike, you ever walk, walked on the beach? Yeah. Where do you walk on the beach? Do you walk closer to the water or away from the water? I walk on the sidewalk. <laughs> well, if the beach didn't have a sidewalk, would okay. you walk closer <laughs> to the water or right. away from the water? Well, I mean, because it, away it, from it the does wa- play different on tendons and ligaments and that kind of deal. Yeah. The other thing that makes a difference, depending on where they are in the country, you've got a horse that mills around and moves a couple of miles a day. You've got a horse that moves 15, 20 miles a day. So good muscling over the loin shows that the area is strong and the horse uses its back well. If a horse has poor muscling, the hollows before and after the, what is that, the lumbar? Um, lumbar sacral joint. Okay, the lumbar sacral joint. The horse will move flat, hollow, without engaging its hind end or using its back. So good muscling over the loin is, is what you want for if you're a rider horse, not a pasture horse. Right. Pasture horses are going to be where they are there's not but so much <laughs> that's them that's they it. want to eat mill around do whatever they do harass each other every now and then get into trouble the, yes get in trouble they go lean on the fences and push the fence post over so you get that nice nascar banked fence that's what i got going on right now so what's the best way to help a horse create muscling in the back now i know a while back you were talking about tapping the horse in the chest and making it do those almost like horse sit-ups right is that where a good how to help a, a that, horse if a horse is dropped down between you know, whether are, are kind of collapsed between its shoulder blades, yeah. They should be up, lifting up, not crouched down, because you want the horse at least an even back. 
there's a lot of horses ended up downhill and they're, they're kind of sagging between the shoulder blades. That's in a muscle sling. And we can work with that. And if you build the muscle in, we can make some improvements there. What we're doing as a farrier makes some difference there. The work program of a horse, if you start off over fencing a horse immediately and we go jump, 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 and the back's not strong enough, we can end up with some back problems such as roach back, such as SI problems. You know, I'm looking at the hind end of a horse between that area around the stifle, I want to see basically a nice triangle kind of filled out there, not really an uneven situation there. And some of that has to do with how much flexion you got in the back end and how much the pelvis is rolling under or not. Now, as far as the bone length, we cannot change bone length on an adult horse. If we could, we could, well, be like your uh, car you're customizing, but we can't do that. Percentage-wise, to help muscling in the back or create muscling in the back, how much is it foot care and how much is it rider and exercise care? Like, is it 60-40, 50-50, 30-70, as far as helping the horse create more muscle in the back? Is it foot care, the way you put it on the shoes, or is it rider exercise care? I've got a horse that lives on the side of a mountain. He's going to have a strong back. I love a, I've got a horse that lives on the flatland, and he's not ever asked to traverse terrain. He's not going to have near as strong a back. So some of his living conditions. Rider, if I've got a very novice rider, and they're bouncing around, they can't uh, get the horse into self-carriage, we're not going to get back muscling. If I've got one of my better riders, say Brett, we're talking about you know the, your wife doing dressage, and say I've got a horse that Brett has been working, somebody with some skills and some training, compared to a novice rider that's going to, on the same horse, there's going to be a huge difference in what happens with that back. How balanced are the feet? What's happening with that palmer angle? That's why, like Dr. Mansman talks about once a year, shooting laterals is a maintenance thing because as we press everything down, it becomes harder to get that back on the horse. One of the very first things I look at any horse that comes out is what's their back look like. Sometimes I will lay my hand on the back to see what it feels like. Is it tight and tense or is it supple? Do we have the muscle in there? That's a quickie. When somebody starts explaining to me how well he's using his hind end, and I've got a horse that's sagged out in the middle and the back's not there, guess what's really going on? Is the hind in there? It can't physically get there because the you know the barrel and everything is dropped down, collapsed us in the way. <laughs> what percentage do you want to put where on what day with which horse? Yeah. Okay. Does that make effect? You know, decisions on how I'm thinking when I'm working on each individual. Yes, it does, and I'll do best I can with what I got. And your friend's flying around my face. I see him. I'm going to get him. He's been tormenting me for the last you're week. Wait till, you're going to wait till it sits right behind me, my balls, and you're going to punch Smack it, right? Him. Yep. There you go. Now you're thinking. All right, guys, stick around. When we come back, we're going to talk about a mare named Claire. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Sign. He'll be right back. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He is now a licensed thoroughbred farrier through the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. And if you'd like Mike Stein to come out and perform a, a live clinic at your location or event, uh, just email Mike. Go to equinedynamics.com. At top of the page says clinics. Fill that out, and Mike will reach out to you and contact you and set up a time and date. And don't forget, on May 13th, we will be out live broadcast 
at JNL Elite over here in the local Marshville area, over here just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Make sure you follow Mike over on Facebook. Make sure you like and subscribe to him over there as well, and you can get all the details the closer we get to that date. And over to my far right side is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good, Travis. How are you doing today? Doing good. Now, we're going to talk about a quarter horse mare named Claire. So let's switch screens here so everyone can see Claire's feet. Oh, what beautiful feet she's got there. So what are we looking at? Okay, if we look at this little mare, she's a nice little mare, and we look at the shoe job, and we look at the back of the foot, and look at where the heels are pulled under from the bulb of the heel, and you can see where there's been some stress in there. Okay, I'm I'm looking at it slowly Okay, as a new guy. I see that the horseshoe doesn't go all the way to the back. Mm. I guess, are we concerned about this area right here on the back of the yeah, heel? Yeah, it's, kind of, it's kind of compressed under, right? Okay. okay. If you see that growth line in the in the foot, a little bit further forward up over the nails, you can see the growth rings and you see the stress on them from front to back. They are you kind talking of, about these lines right here? These are stress. Well, we can look at those lines too. Let's look at that. Okay. Let's look at that hoof growth line, the horn tubule. That's where the, the direction the horn tubules are actually running. You know, the front of the foot's been dressed to hide some of it. But if you look at that horn tubule, that kind of tells you where that internal angle is, probably better than the dorsal wall. She's kind of straight in the pasterns. But if you drop the coffin bone a lot internally and it starts becoming more flat, that flexor tendon comes up the back of the pasture, and it, it will shove, as it goes over the back of the fetlock, will kind of shove the pasturns a little straighter. So it's, it's kind of, uh, if you bring the cough bone to a higher PA, it will relax a little bit in the pasturns and allow that to settle in a little bit, a little bit better. Here we are at the front. If you can see right there, you can kind of see where the bars terminate in the bottom of the foot. On either side of the frog, yep. you can see the dark lines. See about close to the middle of the foot. And see where they come in. That should, you know, with a little cleanup with a knife, that'll be about the middle of the foot. And if you see the placement of the shoe, that part where it kind of ties in on either side of the frog, if you draw that straight across, look how far forward that shoe is sitting from the middle of that foot. So most of the foot, the shoe is kind of kind of out front. I don't know at what point and how old this this shoe job is. But the foot, the foot is shoved forward. Well, you say how old the shoe is. You can tell by the wear and tear that, I mean, the nails are pretty much... Right. It's not It's not a brand new job. It's been on there for a little bit. I don't know how long. And I don't know how much many miles she's put on with these things. There, there might not be much use other than standing around the round bell. All right. So we're looking at this shoe now. This well, is... From the other side. Yeah. From the other front foot. Uh-huh. Heels are pushed under the same thing if you... Uh, the middle of that bar is probably almost in that area, right behind the nail, somewhere in right in right in there. The widest part of the foot. If you took a roller and measured across the foot, you're looking for the widest part of the foot and look at how much is out front and how much is out back. Um, I'd like to get a fifty-fifty split there. In an ideal world, which there is none, not with horses, not with horses. You can alter that with breakover. You can uh, alter it with support. You can build breakover into the shoe itself and. The mechanics of the breakover back in that range. If I've got a horse that has problems, I want to get the breakover further back. And what I want to do is get the breakover just behind that 50 50 split and somewhere in there about mid shoe job be fairly close. So that's what I'm looking at on the foot itself. Now, how old is Claire? Middle age, somewhere. When you say middle age for a horse, what are you talking about? 20s, 30s, 10, 15? Middle age. What is middle age for a horse? I forget. Remind me again. A middle age for a horse is probably actually close to its middle age. Okay. I'm going to say this horse is, let's say 14. Okay, 14 is a good age. You and know, she's got a she's got a nice little career as a ease-around trail horse. I was going to say, what is her job? Her job is easing around, enjoying life, eating. So not a whole lot of stress on these. Now, not, not a high-stress situation, but 
the mechanics of the situation, could they be a little better? If you look at her shoulders, she's very braced in front of the scapula, which we don't have a lot of pictures of that. One reason we brought her in is she's a little roach back. She's sore in the lower back. So what are we looking at here? Now and, now she's got her nails done. She's got all beautified right. and everything. And that is a red rocker I chose to go with to get her to start moving forward a bit on the front end. I didn't want to get rid of a lot of depth on the foot because they're just, I mean, really, even though the feet were long, when you started looking at that sole, it was real flat. I wanted to preserve as much as I could. And I wanted to get some mechanics where the horse's angle could come up and not crush the hills under. So this is so, a, this is a rocker foot this here. Is, this, is a, this is a little red and steel rocker. You know, she trotted out pretty happy in that she was pretty stiff trotting with the other shoe. Being that she was sore in the lower back, from the lateral shot, she was a little roach-backed. So here's the back of the horse. Right. I mean, it's kind of hard from that angle to tell a lot. Didn't take a lot of pictures. Should have. Her mane looks good. Her mane looks good. She's cutie. But a little sore up forward to where you've got your pointer. She's a little tight. And allow you know it, at least we could allow her to roll through and get some movement in the shoulders. I mean, there's a little bit of hollowing you know, in behind the withers. I'm pretty limited to a pair of shoes on the horse. Now, in an ideal world, money's not a factor or anything else. I would have liked to have gone on and done some work on her back end to get the mechanics in the back end a little better. Because she was kind of dragging herself in the back end. And I think what we did, putting some mechanics on the front end, at least allowing the shoulders to move, helped her start getting through in the back end. But reality, if you want a horse to move, you've got to get the motor going. Which is the back end. Which is the back end. The lower back and back is more sort of like the transmission. Transmission's got to work for front end work. And if not, they should be rear-wheel rear power, not front-wheel front drive. <laughs> and you know, she was kind of working like she was front-wheel drive. She was kind of pulling herself along. So we wanted her to push. And so now she's... You've done her shoes. Uh, what's the latest on Claire? She's going trail riding. She's good to go? When's the last time you've seen Claire? Mm, a few weeks ago. Okay. I think she's moved on, moved somewhere else. I only saw her a couple times. As far as a little bit of a roach back appearance, which was not bad on her, just because we could get her where her shoulders were loosened up, that seemed to settle down some. And hopefully with her career she or whatever she does, if they turn her into a broodmare or whatever, that uh, will keep her back happy. Now, eventually, because she's a trail rider and, and then she might be turned into a broodmare, are those shoes going to come off or she's always going to have shoes? I don't know. She is moved to another part of the country. But as, if she was still here, would you suggest that the shoes come off eventually or still continue to do the shoes? If we could get everything mechanically where it needs to be. If we could get the foot, foot to toughen up and all that, and if she could handle doing some light trail riding barefoot, that'd be fine. But that's a big if. There's, there's a lot of ifs. There's always a lot of ifs. As far as a broodmare, there comes a point where, in my mind, I want to get the broodmares barefoot. Most of them are going to be, for some reason, expenses. If for no other reason, as they start packing on weight, there is some expansion in the foot, and it needs to be allowed to because of the extra weight they're carrying. They're mm. pack, packing up a couple hundred pounds. You know, her feet need to be able to do that. The other thing is when you've got a baby on the ground, if they're in a confined area and if the mare steps on the baby, we don't we don't want to create any extra damage to the baby because the mare had something on her feet. Yeah. All right, guys, stick around. When we come back, uh, one more segment, we'll wrap up the show. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Well, I went down to the ground county auction Where I saw something I just had to have my mind told me I should proceed with caution, but my heart said, go ahead and make a bid on that. And I said, hey, pretty lady, won't you give me a sign? I'd give anything to make your mind on mine. I'll be your bidding and be at your beck and call. Yeah, I've never seen anyone. 
skin I know She's got ruby red lips, blonde hair, blue eyes And I'm about to bid my heart goodbye Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein The number one podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. And don't forget, for every podcast we do, we have a matching video as well. Uh, we have a whole YouTube channel with oodles and oodles of videos. Uh, make sure you go over there, like, subscribe, and you can see us here in the studio, me waving to Mike, Mike waving to me, and all the other visual aspects that we have going on, like the actual pictures of... Claire the Mayor, and all the other different case studies that we've shown here on Equine Dynamics. You can find those over on YouTube as well. And if you have a question for Mike Stein, go to equinedynamics.com. At the top of the page says, contact us. Fill out that little form there and put a return address. And if we read your question on the air, we will send you out some free stuff from the podcast here, some magnets, some buttons, some stickers, some keychains. Oh, you're out of keychains, aren't you? Yeah, you're out of keychains, so i got to get you some more keychains over there. And over to my far inside is Mike Stein. How are you? I'm doing good, Travis. How are you doing? Doing all right. So what do we learn today? Talking terminology. What is a roachback? How does it happen, and how can we prevent it? Palmetto back. Palmetto back. Roachback is that lower back. is The spine is kind of humped up. Some of it is, you know, the way the muscles have developed. Taking our time and preparing horses for the job before we expect them to perform hard. Let's get a horse fit before we decide they're going to jump. And then let's be reasonable about how much jumping they're doing. Is jumping their fitness level? Can we kind of beat them up doing that if they've been overjumped for their fitness level? Muscling of the back. How to create muscling and what does good muscling do for you versus what bad muscling can lead to? Let's prepare our horses for the jobs. Let's get them fit enough for the jobs. Let's don't over push them. And I'm not going to say horses shouldn't work hard because I've got plenty of them that really go at it pretty hard and they do they do well and they do well for a long time but building up and preparing for what we're asking them to do is a huge part of a fitness level fitness for performance how's that sound it sounds good we should have horses fit for the jobs that they should do we should pay attention to what's going on with their muscling are they locking up are they bracing are they developing where they should so that they can lift and carry themselves through it with minimal amount of damage and a story of Claire, the mare, and why Mike decided to uh, shoe this horse. And I'm going to switch over to the picture so we can see him. Well, the reason that I went the way that I did was to hopefully get some movement in her shoulders because that was where I was allowed to work and deal with the really flat foot. High likelihood that if you look at those horn tubules and the really flat foot and a few other things, we're probably dealing with a, a low palmer angle deal, trying to get off of the compression of the back of the foot because the back of the heels were compressing under so if put in the rock put in the rocker you're not setting a horse into a fixed position and they can as they as their body shifts they can adjust that palmer angle and get some blood moving and also it's kind of eliminating the crushing effect on the back of the foot so we get the pressure off there the rocker has to be in the right place because what i want the horse to do is when they load to actually lift up a little bit because if you get it too far forward you're slamming them back on that tendon and you don't want to do that you want the body weight to lift them but you don't want to lock them in the toe. You want them kind of floating in there. Nice, comfortable place in a rocking chair. <laughs> it is. All right, guys. On that note, make sure you follow Mike Stein. If you like for him to perform a clinic out at your location, go to equinedynamics.com. At the top of the page says clinics. Fill out that little form there. He can come out to your event or your location. 
And uh, we're also doing a live broadcast on May 13th here in the local area. So if you live in the Charlotte area, make sure you like and subscribe to Mike Stein over on Facebook. That's Equine Dynamics Mike Stein. You can see all the information about that over there. And we'll give you one more update the closer we get to that date. And we're not sure what time we're supposed to be out there. If it's 9 o'clock, 9 to 1, or if it's 10 to 2. So we don't know. Okay. Uh, but we want, we'll want we be out there in the middle of the day. So make sure you guys come out to JNL Elite. Should do something this afternoon. Okay, that'll be great. And we'll have that up on Mike Stein's Facebook page. That's Equine Dynamics Mike Stein. All right, guys, on that note, we're going to let you get back to enjoying your horses on behalf of Mike Stein over there. Thank you. Have a good day. Have fun with your ponies. <laughs> My name is Travis Singh. See you next week. All of the doggies are in the corral. All of your work is done. Just close your eyes and dream.